Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, we'll continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Genesis, chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. The title of this sermon is, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, Possessor of Heaven and Earth. Here is the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. Uh, and the drifting that happens, and that's what happens with Lot. He just drifts away. He just drifts away. And he never intended to do that, right? Nobody ever intends to fall into sin. Does something that bl- brings pleasure to them for a momentary moment, like it's, and then it, it flees. And a lot of people, whether you do addictions or, or you look at addictions, it's a... It's, you always have to, like, I, you ever met anybody, like, uh, they started with weed, and now they're doing stronger stuff, because the weed's not working anymore, but today's weed, Lord, it's completely different than what it used to be back in the 60s. I mean, today's weed, they're actually creating addicts, with how strong it is. They had a study that was done, y'all need to look that up, because that would blow your mind. There was a study that was done uh, in Denver, I think it was in Colorado, and in California, the, the TCH levels are so high that they're creating addicts, and when they come off of it, they're having schizophrenia. It's a high number. And you go, well, I just wanted to get high one time. It, it's, you know, but again, what ends up happening is you allow something into your life, and it ends up becoming something that begins to, to own your life. James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. That word entice that's listed there actually means in the Greek that it's like a, a bait being trapped. Right? It's, it's, it's like setting the trap for the mouse. And you keep thinking you can get the cheese out. And sometimes you get mouse that can get the cheese, right? But eventually, they don't. Maybe they get too fat because they've been eating so much cheese. And eventually, they miss it and get caught. That's what sin is. It brings death. It entices you. It brings death. But it's like, I love what it says there. It's like when, and, and you can put it that way, when he or she is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed, you allow yourself to do it. You start convincing yourself, hey, this maybe just for, I've had a really bad day, right? I've had a really bad day. Get the bourbon. Next thing you know, the bottle's gone. And then the next day, you like, okay, get the bourbon again. <laughs> you start going right into it. 
And all it took was that one bad day and you let, allowed that desire to be filled. And so we have to be very careful with that. And Charles Spurgeon says this, If you're not going to be saved, be saved 100%. Right? So what he's saying is the most miserable person in the world is actually someone who's a half-hearted Christian. Meaning they have one foot in the world and one foot trying to follow Jesus. He goes, they're miserable. Because they, they can't get enough of the world and they can't get enough of God. They're chasing after both. Your heart is filled with salt and not in a good way. You feel dry and lifeless in every area. You're straddled between two opinions of the world, the sin, and trying to follow God. And you can't do both. John chapter 8, verse 34 says this, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. You become a slave to it. And, and it's important for us to see. Lot became a slave to sin. He started chasing after Sodom. The other thing we do is, do you not believe that God will judge? You allow your sin to continue, keep creeping along with your sin, but you think God's never going to judge you. I've been getting away with it for some time now, and nothing's happened. Be careful. Genesis chapter 19, verses 12 through 13. Then the man said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? And the son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whoever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Like Lot, you want to stay here in your sin? Go ahead. And guess what? Not all the family goes. Not all the family goes. Your sin has consequences. And God is going to execute judgment. At some point, you think you're getting away with it. Jonathan Edwards says this. He was an 18th century American theologian. I love what he says. And he was teaching on hell. Something that pastors have gotten away from. Imagine yourself cast into a fiery oven. Glowing with heat. And imagine that your body was going to lie there for a quarter of an hour. Full of fire, inside and out, feeling every fiber of it the whole time. What a horror it would feel at the entrance of the, the, such a furnace. And how long would that quarter of an hour seem to you? But what if you knew you must lie there and endure it for another full 24 hours, staring at the entrance of the furnace as you're surrounded by fire? But wouldn't your heart sink even if you knew that you must bear it forever and ever and ever and eternity? And so it's an hypocrisy uh, to say that, that you believe that, that as we look at this, that, that you believe in heaven and hell and you don't, you're not doing anything you can to keep, keep those that you care about from going there. Like if you see somebody going into sin, Lot, Abram, We'll see steps in. In Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it says, So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing harm. The only reason you may not have been judged tonight is because He is merciful and gracious and slow to anger. But don't think. That all your stuff will be put into the light. It will be. It will be. 
You think you're getting away with something and it's exposed. And it's devastating. It's devastating when you have that happen and it's a family member or somebody that you love and you're blown away how long this has been going on. You got to wake up to that stuff. You need to deal with that sin. Don't let it drag on. Like eventually, like you think you're, like my, my anger, I'm, Mike told me I could be angry. But it's unrighteous anger. You're over there throwing tools and knocking stuff around. And, but Mike told me I could be angry. Don't put that on me. I'm like, don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you do that. You need to read the scripture. You better not be doing unrighteous anger because eventually it will become wrath. And you'll think that you can get away with wrath whenever you want. And God will deal with that. See, we look at these sins like we've been going over. We're going to go over another list of sins in, in Ephesians this week. And we think, well, they're just little sins. Not to God. Not to God. You need to deal with them. Confess and repent them tonight. Deal with it. Like he, he relents from doing harm because you rend your heart. Like, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Think about it with Jonah. Jonah sent to Nineveh, and what happens? Jonah doesn't want to go. Jonah's like, I hate the Ninevites. Don't want nothing to do with the Ninevites. If you're going to destroy them, can I watch? Can I buy a ticket? Can I get a front row seat because I can't stand the Ninevites? No, you're going to go preach to them. And you're going to go tell them they're in sin. And you know the beauty of the Ninevites, what they did, is they repented. They repented. That's what's supposed to happen with our sin. They repented. We need to be careful that the, the other thing is that we don't drift into godlessness. Because what happens is when you start drifting, you start allowing more things that are ungodly into your life. You just, it's, it's almost like you quit the battle. See, we're living in a world that this is not even our home and it's an uphill battle for a Christian. Why? Because you're on a narrow path. Think about it. Think about all the salmon that swim upstream. And they beat themselves against the rock just to do what they need to do to lay eggs. And a lot of them salmon don't make it all the way up there. A lot of them get eaten by bears. The bears eat the salmon or other animals get the salmon. Some of them you just see floating like they're just, I quit. <laughs> right? You see the, 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 the streams and there's just dead salmon everywhere. But there's still these little salmon trying to go upstream. And for us, that's us, as we are Christians, we, we're not to, uh, we're going the other direction of the world. And, and with that, as we're going the other direction of the world, it's just like in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now you can go the other direction, but it's going to lead to what? Destruction. He tells you there are many who go, go in by it, right? Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. We allow drifting to happen. Just like Lot. You allow drifting to happen to where you look and you see that it is good and you want it. And it's a sin. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Lot. All three of those. Right? And then eventually he pitches his tent next to the city. And eventually ends up in the city. And so that's what drifting looks like in the Bible. That's what drifting looks like in your life. 
you're with in doing something like, okay, well, I'm going to hang out with this godly person. They go to the altar. I'll go to church with them. They go to the altar. They pray to God. They're getting blessed, so maybe I'll be blessed too. It rains on the just and the unjust. Hello, Lot. Right? But as soon as he gets away from Abram, there's no altar. There's no praying to God. None of it. Because he's drifting. And that's the same thing for us. We have to be very careful of this because you're going up a narrow path and you've got to stick on that. And the world is going that direction. You're going towards Christ. And you can't get turned around and start going towards the world. We've got to be very careful that we don't allow things to, to start us on the road to Sodom. Right? And you may be in a place where you go, man, I'm, I'm spiritually mature. I'm good to go. I can skip church this week. I can, you know what? Got other plans next week. Three weeks later, you, I mean, you're, I'm going to go deer fishing. I'm going to go deer hunting. I'm going to go fishing. It's that time of year. It's cooling down. It's in the 90s. <laughs> right? You, you know what's sad? There's a lot of men get caught doing things they're not supposed to be doing on those hunting trips. They're drifting. They're drifting. Nobody ever talks about that. Nobody talks, you know how I know about this? Because in Augusta, Georgia, when they have the Masters Tournament, they have, to, they have to fly strippers in from Atlanta for the men. And it's the same thing in certain cities where there is deer hunting going on. Hey, I, I'm out of town. Nobody knows about it. God does. God does. And it's like at the end of the day, you have to understand like, well, I'm, I'm in church, I'm, I'm tithing, I'm doing, none of that means nothing. It's your obedience to God. That's all this is about. That's it. You being obedient to God, living for God, and not being like Lot. Don't allow yourself to drift. Verse 13, then one who, who had escaped came and told Abram. So this is how Abram knows. The Hebrew from who he dwelt by the Terebith trees and memory and, and the Amorite brother of Eshcol and the brother of Anir. And they were allies with Abram. So they come and they tell Abram, hey, they got Lot. Not only did they get Lot, they took everything. They took it all. Now when Abram heard that, the, that his brother was taken captive, he heard his 318 trained servants were were born in the house, and he went to uh, went in pursuit as far as Dan. So this is why I love Lot. Is Lot a general? No. Has Lot got combat experience? No. Does Lot have a bunch of weapons? No. Lot's got God. I mean, Abram's got God, right? Abram has God. Abram has God. He don't need any of that stuff. Abram's going to take 318 people and face these kings. Like I don't care. I got God. Those numbers seem like astronomical numbers. 318 men who've never been trained for war. Abram's going to take them to go save his, his nephew Lot and get back his possessions. And he doesn't even think about it. He just does. Let's, let's, let's go. And that's how we should be when somebody falls into sin. That's how we should be when we know somebody's in a, in a place of they're at their lowest point. Let's just go. Let's go. Let's do it. Whatever needs to be done, let's do it. That's what Christians are supposed to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, But even our gossip is veiled and is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds 
The gods of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And Abram's taken 318 lights. Let's go. And we're going to shine it on the darkness of that king of Babylon and the rest of these kings. And we're going to do what we've been called to do. Abram cared about Lot's life. He cared that he had fallen into a place where he shouldn't have been. Now, does he go, you know what, that's his problem? No. How many of us do that when somebody falls into sin? I told you. I knew it. I was just waiting for them to do it. Just a matter of time. It's important for us to understand this, is that we see Abraham, he, he goes to save Lot. And that's our role as, as Christians as well, is like we are to be persistently and consistently standing for the things of God. Standing for the things of God. If it's wrong, it's wrong. It's, at the end of the day, it's like all I need is, and that's why a Abraham, is when he was negotiating with God, he's like, well, if there's 50 righteous people, right? If there's 40 righteous people, if there's 30, like he's negotiating for Lot. He could have said, you know what? I never liked Sodom and Gomorrah. Go ahead. Can I watch? That's how some Christians are today. Let them burn. They got the wrong heart. They got the wrong heart. It's about time. I've been waiting for that one to fall. Been getting on my nerves. That's how we are. It's like we need to be like Abram where we're like, hey, God, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, like if there, like, there's got to be somebody righteous fighting, fighting. And that's how we should be for our loved ones. We should be doing the same thing. You are to be the gospel and the light to them praying and, and negotiating with with god like lord please you know their heart and you know where they're at but lord please save them you save me you can save anybody save them speak to them reach them send the angels if you have to stand up stand up like abram we need to as as and then for men uh, this is a big one for me like you are to be men of action don't ever let me catch. If we're together and something's popping off, if I'm running towards the, the, what's popping off, you better be running right behind me. We're men of action. Don't forget that. Like, man, I'm, I'm sit there and tell me, well, we got tanks and we got what? Man, I'm a man of action. I got God. You can have all those Abram tanks. You can have whatever you want. I'm a man of God. And there's nothing you can do to me. There's nothing to, you can do to me in this world because I will be with him no matter what. As they're arresting people on the street for sharing the gospel. Because the trans people in the LGBTQ community, when they're having their events, they can yell and scream on decibels that are beyond anything. But as soon as a young man comes up with a microphone, they say, well, the decibels, he, I got a meter. It's not even over it. And they arrest him. It's like 10 cops to arrest. I'm like, man, you don't need 10 cops, dude. Here. Let's go. Prison ministry starts. And how long will I get to the jail? It's like, wake up. Like, this is where we're going. And you need to be men of action for your families. And you cannot be a man of action, which I, when I say man of action, I'm talking about a man of God. Somebody who's going to be there when somebody falls to help lift them up. Hey, you fell into sin. It's okay. Get up. Let's go. Confess it. Repent it. Let's get back up to it. And let's start doing what we're supposed to do. I know you've been drifting, but let's get back at it. 
That's how we should be with each other. I have a brother of mine who's got a son that has, man, I'll be very honest. If it was me, I would have given up already. And when I read this scripture, it hit me hard because it was like, Mike, you need to, you need to wake up. Because you have people all around you that are falling. And they just need you to share the gospel with them. They just need you to pray for them. They just need you to be there for them. And that brother, man, his, his son has been in and out of rehab, in and out of jail, in and out of various situations, struggling with alcoholism. But he's an Abram. Two o'clock in the morning. He's gone to help his son. He don't even know where his son is. His son's trying to give him descriptions because he's so drunk. Now, how many of you would be like, oh, I'm not answering the phone at 2 in the morning. No, that's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be men of action. That means if something's going on, you turn your butt around and you get back to it. And you go help. That's what we've been called to do. And if you can't do that for your marriage or your family, shame on you. Shame on you. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespasses, you who are spiritually restored such a, such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We do it the way that Nathan did David. Nathan gives them like the story about this. Sheep. You know, he's like, hey, uh, there was this lamb. <laughs> and this guy took this guy's lamb. And he tells David this whole story. And David's convinced, hey, we need to go kill that guy for doing what he did. And he goes, you're the man. He hit him with the sin. And, and, and we need to be the same way. Don't be afraid to, to talk to somebody when they're walking in darkness and say, look, man, I love you enough to say something. Now, they may tell you to get out of here. They may tell you, I don't want nothing to do with you no more. Don't ever come around me. It's okay. But at least you gave, if the Holy Spirit, remember green light. If you get the green light from the Holy Spirit that you're supposed to talk to that person, then you go talk to that person. And you tell them, man, I love you. And I'm just telling you, I know where this path is going. You need God. We bear one another's burdens. Abram went. What did Christ do? He left the 99 and went for the one. And we are to do the same. Zechariah 4, 6, and we'll be finishing up here. Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by my might, nor by, my, uh, by power, but my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. When we step out, we don't do it in our might. It's God. It's His power. So when these 300 destroy these kings, it's God. And God will always use a little number of people to overcome an overwhelming amount because God gets the glory. It says in verse 17, And the king of Sodom went out and met him at the valley of Shiviv, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought, him, uh, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God of the Most High, who has delivered uh, your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now we're going to stop there and I'm going to deal with the rest of that next week. As we look at Melchizedek and then we'll finish chapter 15 next week. Melchizedek is very important. What is the first thing you see when you think of bread and wine? Communion. Right? 
it's right off the bat it's like there's so many things when we look at Mikelzadek that are just obvious right communion why would it be referenced here at this moment because it's foretelling what's coming from the moment that you open the book of Genesis to the moment you close the book of Revelation it's all pointing to one person Jesus Christ remember that and Mikelzadek is is going to be something that we'll look at and I personally don't believe it's a Christophany, and I'll give you the reasons why, and I'll give you the scripture that actually supports it. You may have a difference of opinion. Again, it's, a, it's an argument over theology. But what I want to do is make sure we present you with the basic information of Melchizedek, and then you make that decision on your own. You know, it's not always up to the pastor to guide you one way or the other. It's up to you to look at the information that's given based upon scripture. And then you make it the decision there because they argue everything about Melchizedek. There are arguments for days on end about it. They argue about his name. There's a whole theology just about the name itself. So we're going to try to stay away from all of those minefields and just focus on the basic scriptures next week and make sure that you have an understanding of, of him. And, and I just, for me, when I look at it and I... The first thing, every time I read that verse, it just bread and wine, it brings me automatically to communion. Automatically to communion. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 